Welcome to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois Starnet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. Starnet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about Starnet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Welcome back to the DAP series, a podcast series where we explore the fourth edition of developmentally appropriate practices in early childhood programs. This is Emily Riley, and I am the assistant project director for Starnet Regions 1 and 3 and the host for this podcast series. Today, we are examining the core consideration of context in a little more detail, uh, specifically looking at uh, rethinking special needs versus disability, which is addressed. If you do have the DAP book, it is addressed in chapter three, page 59. If you're interested in referencing that or taking a look after our podcast here today, um, so our guest today turns out um, Dr. Emily Dorsey, the project director for the Illinois Early Learning Project, wrote a blog post a couple of years ago, Rolling with the Times, Updating Our Language, um, which really um, addressed this very topic of kind of rethinking special needs versus disability. So welcome, Emily. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you this morning. Um, so I guess, um, yeah, we're going to just kind of talk about your blog post. Um, and I am really interested and curious and just hearing a little bit more of the context behind some of the changes that you made with Illinois Early Learning Project, um, and making the shift in some of the terminology used on one of your resources on the website there. So specifically, um, We're using the terminology children with special needs um, and made that shift to children with developmental delays and disabilities. Um, So can you share a little bit um, with kind of that thought process? What prompted that shift and change in language? Sure. Um, Well, I have to say um, pretty much my whole career has been in early childhood special education in one way or another. Um, And so you know, language for talking about children with disabilities has kind of always been, um, you know, part of my everyday life. Um, I can first remember um, hearing sort of a criticism against the term children with special needs when I was in my PhD program. And I was in a course and there was actually a student from a different department who kind of mentioned that she found that term patronizing. and not what it should be. And that was a long time ago, probably at least over 10 years ago. And that moment just always sort of stuck with me um, because I had always wanted to use respectful language. And so I always kind of thought about that moment and kind of pondered what that meant um, over time. Sorry about that. Um, Also, just over the years, as I continued through my PhD program and continued working in the field, Um, I started to see more criticism of that term. Um, Sometimes you see things online. Um, 
there's a video we kind of link in our blog of a, a PSA, if you will, um, against the term special needs. Um, I've had professors and articles I'd read that had started to kind of um, find some issues with that term. So it really had been on my radar for quite some time. Um, and I really wanted to think through it quite a bit. Um, also at Illinois Early Learning, all of the content on our website is really designed for parents, teachers, and caregivers of young children with and without disabilities. We really want everything that our readers access to be applicable to a young child regardless. Um, and so we're always thinking about that and writing about that on a daily basis. Um, so definitely I was encountering describing disability just in my everyday life at work. But in particular, we had a blog series called um, Young Children with Special Needs. And as we kind of were doing our systematic review of our content, we really stopped to reflect on that. And the team met, um, our full team, and we kind of looked at some resources together. We consulted some experts in the field, talked to some parents, and we really decided um, that we'd like to move away from that term and that we would like to rename the blog series Children with Disabilities um, and Developmental Delays. And um, sometimes we just change, you know, wording on our website or we edit things and we don't, you know, announce it. But we thought that this was a really good opportunity to describe our thinking process to our readers so that they could see that that change had been made and that they could kind of come along for the ride into how we made that decision. And maybe it would prompt other you know, individuals or parents or teachers or organizations to also um, kind of engage with that topic and uh, have an opportunity to be more intentional about their terminology. So that is when we wrote that blog, um, uh, Rolling with the Times, updating our language and kind of put that out there, hopefully to um, you know update our terminology, but also kind of be helpful to others who might be in that process as well. Right. Thank you for sharing that background. And I think that's just brilliant to um, be so explicit and make your thinking visible and being like transparent about that. Because as a um, maybe a visitor to your website, I, maybe I wouldn't notice on my own like that change, or maybe I would notice it, but not like think too much about it. So I, I feel like um, writing that blog post has just been so helpful. And like you said, hopefully it gets people um, thinking about their terminology as well and kind of why they might be using language. Um, I know for me, when you first um, introduced the blog post in a, a meeting that we were in together, that it definitely, um, it was something I, you know, I went back, I clicked on that link right away and read through and I was like, okay, yeah, I've been kind of re um, reading some of these similar things or um, had been thinking about it um, as well personally. And then, um, you know, of course, right away noticed and thought about, oh, gosh, on the, in our StarNet mission statement, we do use the term children with special needs. So maybe this is something our team also needs to kind of think about and discuss. And, um, you know, is it time to um, shift our language as well and um, have a discussion about, yeah, um, terms being used. So we had some opportunity in the StarNet team to do that as well and, and think about 
terminology. Um, and so, yeah, we have recently revised our mission statement um, and have shifted to use the term children with disabilities. And um, one of the things that came up in our conversation as we were um, discussing is that, um, you know, in the law, the term disability is used, right? So like disability is what kind of um, will help children qualify and receive services and um, be very clear. And so um, that was another kind of conversation that came up. Uh, lots of lots of different conversation came up, but that was one for us as well. So, all right. So let's, um, I'm curious to hear more about um, this term euphemism that you talk about in the blog post. Um, so you identify special needs as a euphemism. And I think for some people that might be a new term. So can you kind of share an example or explain um, how special needs is a euphemism? Sure. Um, so a euphemism, I would consider <clears throat> to be a term that you use to discuss a topic that you might find uncomfortable or that you want to be especially discreet about, or even something where you're kind of trying to convey, I don't want to keep talking about this, um, maybe shutting down conversation. Um, so an example we use in a blog is this idea of a person saying they're between jobs instead of being unemployed. Um, so they both mean the same thing, but one, um, kind of conveys like, you know, I'm not telling you a lot of information right here. I, I don't want to continue to discuss this. Like I'm kind of telling you just the bare minimum, um, but really this is not a thing I want to go into. And there's lots of euphemisms. Um, if you Google them, you'll find a, a long list of things. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, they're they're not too unfamiliar. We use them all the time. But this idea of special needs being something like that, um, we really kind of wanted to challenge that that kind of convention of of um, briefly discussing disability, but in a way that doesn't really convey much information, doesn't invite questions or discussion. Kind of might indicate, let's end this conversation soon. We wanted to really challenge that notion, um, and. Um, because, you know, we believe that there's nothing at all wrong with having a disability. Um, and that when we discuss disability, we can better meet an individual's needs. Um, we can better create educational environments for that person. And um, by getting comfortable with just discussing disability regularly, we're, you know, um, conveying the notion that disability is just a natural aspect of humanity, that, you know, anyone and everyone could have a disability, um, that there's no reason to hide that. There's no reason to cover it up with terminology that's kind of mysterious, um, that um, just the language of being open and honest kind of communicates that this is a topic that's fine to be open and honest about. So, um, that's kind of the thinking about moving away from a euphemism and towards more direct, clear language. Okay. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. And especially, like you said, from just that professional and educator perspective too, being able to be responsive and hopefully meet um, individual needs that it, it could be much more helpful being explicit. Um, 
All right. Another topic that comes up in the blog post is this idea of um, individual choice. Um, so I was hoping you could um, talk a little bit about that and um, how that relates to um, terminology that's used. Sure. Um, well, we definitely wanted to write the blog in a way that was kind of non-threatening to readers and invited them to ponder it themselves. Um, and, and I do think it's important for people to take ownership of their changes in language. And so, um, you know, just because IEL is making a conscious decision to move towards using the term disability doesn't mean that everyone in the world is ready to do that. And so we kind of wanted to think through uh, reasons for that that might, you know, be very relevant. Um, one thing is that early childhood education is a unique field because while the person with a disability is a young child, the person speaking on their behalf or advocating for them is often an adult, their parent or caregiver. Um, and that parent or caregiver might have a variety of reasons why the term special needs is preferable or even just why not saying disability is where they're at at, at a certain moment in time. Um, perhaps their young child doesn't have an official diagnosis yet, but they do want to convey to family and friends that there are some differences. Um, perhaps the knowledge of a disability or a potential disability is just very new. And that is as far as they've gotten in terms of being comfortable with terminology. And um, they either don't know the, you know, the correct diagnosis or they're not ready to say it in their everyday conversations. Um, and just acknowledging that parents of young children, that's often the time when people are receiving a diagnosis and just allowing families time to get used to that idea before pressuring them to use um, very specific language about that. Um, you know, sometimes that's a comfortable step along the way. So I think some of the choice we're talking about is as parent choice. But I also think um, this idea of language and choice relates to children themselves because um, children with disabilities may need to ask for certain things based on their disability, and they can choose the language that feels the best for them to do that. So, um, for example, maybe you have a young child with a vision impairment in your classroom, and you're helping him learn to ask to be closer to a speaker um, in different situations. Um, and so you could offer him choices of ways to do that. So maybe he wants to just say, um, I have a vision impairment. Can I get closer to the speaker? Or maybe he just wants to say, I'm having trouble seeing from back here. Can I move to the front? Or maybe he just wants to say, can I move to the front? So I think also, um, this relates to offering children a choice about how they describe their needs and um, how and when they identify their disability to other people. So I think um, those are two different types of choices. But I think kind of the underlying reason that we push or that we're encouraging this more direct language um, is because it is so much more helpful um, to educators and to people in a young child's life if we can be specific. So if you just say to a teacher, um, you know, a new child is coming to your class and she has special needs. Well, that really is 
not much information at all to work with. But if you say, you know, a new child is coming to your class and she has a disability and it is cerebral palsy, or, um, you know, she has a disability and that she is blind, or um, you don't even really need to say the word disability. You can just say she's blind. Um, that's extremely helpful information for that child because now the teacher or the people in your life can prepare for them. <clears throat> so I think it's important to note we're not, it's not a just because um, we're not pushing for certain language or encouraging certain language. Um, just for no reason at all. It really um, can serve the child so much better if we can talk about their disability more directly and clearly um, to better get them the supports they would need. Absolutely. And I think um, just to kind of tie back too to um, DAP and some of the concepts in the book, um, as you know, there's, again, one of the core considerations is just individuality. And so educators are really um, being encouraged and supported to um, embrace um, all children and families, their social identities, um, their unique experiences, and what they um, bring into the um, setting in the early learning program. And so um, I think it's important yeah, for um, educators to be comfortable and confident talking about disability and being um, respectful of the family's wishes. And um, again, kind of there's um, using strength-based language, a lot of that comes up as well. Um, if you go back and reference chapter three of the DAP book. So um, thank you for sharing and elaborating on that. Um, I guess one of the things just to kind of, as we're um, wrapping up here, um, I'm curious since it's been a few years since you wrote the blog post, if there might be anything, um, you know, that you, um, would add to that blog post or rethink, right? So we say like, okay, we're rolling with the times, things can kind of change and shift over over the years. Is there anything as you reflect back on that blog post that you um, would would change or rethink through at all? Um, I think in terms of the, the specific move uh, from one type of language to another, I think that's still kind of where we are um, as a field, as a society that we are moving away from the term special needs and moving towards using the term disability or moving towards just naming specific disabilities and describing them. Um, <clears throat> but I do think there have been some encouraging um, shifts in just society's comfort level with people with disabilities and disability over time um, that I'm starting to see, and those are encouraging. Um, often I think about my own elementary school age children uh, who are about to go into third grade and fifth grade. And I think about conversations I hear from them where they are so much better about discussing disability than I would have ever known how to discuss disability at their age. Um, and maybe it's because they're related to me, but also I think it's because of just the things they're seeing and doing um, that are different now. So they're seeing characters with disabilities in books and movies and in ads on TV and, um, and you know, print materials, and they have friends with disabilities and people with disabilities in their uh, recreation activities. Um, and we have family friends who have children with disabilities. So it's just so much more uh, commonplace for them. And so I'll hear them say things like, um, our friend has autism. So he doesn't talk a lot, but he shows me what he wants in other ways. 
or they'll say, my camp counselor uses a wheelchair, or grandma had to adjust the volume on her hearing aids during our call. So I can see these generational shifts, um, which are exciting to me, just that comfort level um, and knowing what a disability is, knowing what a person might need. Um, And I think that as this generation of people grow up and start to have children, it will be so much more natural for them to just say disability or name the particular disability. And I think it will maybe even feel funny to them to want to use a term like special needs, kind of like, well, why would I want to say this person has special needs? Like clearly, you know, this person is deaf. Like, you know, what good would it do to (laughs) use a less specific term in this case? So um, I guess, you know, to, to circle back to your question, I think we're still in that particular shift that I described, but I, I do see progress and I do think it is encouraging. Um, and I do think that, you know, parents and early childhood educators are, are in a great position to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, because really like if young children are comfortable with discussing disability, they're just going to carry that with them. And that will make such a difference um, in our society. So I I think we're at an encouraging time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned that kind of generational shift, which got me thinking about as well, kind of like my own experience as a young child. And yeah, I, I really don't recall having a lot of conversations around disability. And even at times, sometimes like, oh, you know, if I'm curious or noticing kind of even like shut down the conversation as like, it might be rude to talk about, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, there's been, um, and that's just my experience. Um, I know I've talked with others who've had uh, similar, but yeah, it's, um, definitely encouraging to see, um, yeah, that there's a more, more comfort level. I mean, um, we we want to live in a, a society where people are included and have a sense of belonging. And I think, yeah, this is one, one excellent step towards that. So um, I also wanted to mention, cause you talked about, um, your children and just society in general. Now we see more, um, people with disabilities just reflected, um, whether it's in, you know, media, different types of media. And, um, I know you also were a co-author of an article, um, pick a book. I don't remember the entire because title. Pick a book, any book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pick a book, <laughs> any book, um, a really helpful article. I actually, um, I had, um, I've offered a webinar a couple times about just really like analyzing children's books um, with characters, um, the main characters with disabilities. Um, and so I referenced that article, um, but really helpful. It's hard. Um, there's one, just not a lot of children's books out there with main characters with disabilities. And then sometimes there are some of these um, things like the patronizing or terms used that might be kind of outdated and needed to kind of rethink through or um, sometimes the main character with the disability, really other people playing such a huge role or, you know, not really kind of going back to that individuality piece with DAP and, um, using strength-based language or highlighting the unique experience of that, um, particular character. So, um, so our listeners, um, in education, definitely, um, I encourage you to think about your libraries, I encourage you to take a look at that article. I'll link that as well, as well with the blog post. If you haven't had a chance to read that, um, it'd be very helpful. I think on our, our journey of kind of continuing to reflect and think about 
the language and how it impacts um, people. So thank you, Emily, for um, joining me today and talking about um, your kind of personal and professional experience around shifting language. Um, I'd also like to just invite anyone who might be interested um, to um, talk about DAP, any particular interest or passion that you have. There's so much packed in the new book. <laughs> and so I'm always looking for people who might be interested in just having a conversation, family members, educators, um, feel free to reach out to Starnet and I'd love to chat with you. So again, um, Thank you, Emily. I know I also wanted to um, to see if there was any other closing comments, uh, anything that you'd like to share before we wrap up. Um, I'd just like to invite anyone listening to visit the Illinois Early Learning website um, anytime you'd like. Uh, we have a lot of resources for parents, teachers, and caregivers of young children with and without disabilities. So whatever topic you are looking for, I, I would be highly inclined to think we have it. So, and if we don't, please send me a note and we can add to our library. Um, but yes, please come to our website, take a look around, bookmark it. Um, and we hope you find it to be a helpful resource. I know I certainly have both um, in my professional work um, as a professional development provider, as well in my uh, personal life. I have a daughter heading to kindergarten actually in August. And so I was like looking around, you guys also have like a, a great resource for just kindergarten, that transition. And so I was flipping through that and like, okay, let me just make sure I'm <laughs> not missing anything here. So yeah, excellent. Just a really valuable resource that we have in Illinois. So thank you for for um, doing what you do and providing those up-to-date current resources for our field. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So again, yep. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks um, to the listeners. I hope um, you join us next time because we will continue on with this DAP series. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.